Welcome to the More Than a Club podcast with Marty Cuprian and Delaney. Welcome to More Than a Club podcast for our first episode of season two. I am your host, Belehi, along with Coach Marty Cuprian, and we are truly grateful to be back after a unique and complicated past five months. On each episode of our podcast, we touch on youth sports and lacrosse topics, but it's been some time since we recorded our last episode, and so we're thrilled to be back with all of you. Coach Coop. Thanks, Bill. Good to be back. This is our season two, episode one. We're live in Conshohocken at the new Next headquarters. Since we last talked on the podcast, COVID-19 has rocked our world, and today we'll discuss it from our perspective. For Bill as a parent, for us as educators, and as coaches, it's an opponent like we've never had to deal with before. Since we're lacrosse coaches, and this is a lacrosse-focused program, today we'll be talking about our world and our return to play this past summer and how we can safely move forward. We'll talk with an outstanding resource, Ian McGinnis, who helped us return to play here at Next. Ian, welcome back, and thanks for sharing this time with us. Thanks for having me. Ian serves as the Director of Health and Participant Safety here at Next. We're desk neighbors at the new office. Ian, quickly refresh us on your background. So I am a certified athletic trainer. I did my undergraduate and graduate degrees at Temple University. Um, I worked part-time with Next for about a year before joining the team full-time. And, you know, I just started my second year as a full-time employee at Next. So super excited moving forward. It's great to have you here, Ian. This is going to be really interesting. I think there's so much for all of us to talk about how we've been living safely over the past five months. And so we'll move into our first segment, which is youth sports hot topic, especially for parents. So COVID's still here, and we can't pretend like it's not or that it's over. And so, Ian, what are your just initial first thoughts when we say that COVID's still here and we're, we're functioning and running our club? Yeah, so it's important to remember that it's not entirely gone. Um, today, which is September 30th, uh, Pennsylvania had over 1,000 new cases reported to the Department of Health. Um, I think that many people, including myself, are fatigued. They're fatigued by the restrictions imposed on us by COVID. Um, but it's important to remember that we need to remain resilient and keep the virus at bay. Um, it's my concern and that of many others in public health that this level of fatigue combined with the upcoming decrease in temperature and the movement of things going inside, um, it could lead to the widespread transmission of COVID-19 and potentially a bad situation. If you're carrying that fatigue to indoor events, you're not wearing masks or distancing, um, the transmission could be really bad and a lot of people are concerned about uh, a bad fall coming forward. Ian, talk to me about uh, the level of research that you've been involved with and you know, really anything that, that parents need highlighted uh, for them right off the bat. Yeah, so my, my role at Next has changed pretty significantly in the past year. You know, um, I would have never thought a year ago that I'd be doing what I am right now uh, within the company. Um, and so at this point, it's probably important to note that I'm not an infectious disease expert. Uh, but I think my training and education has given me the ability to be extremely re resourceful and adaptable. And that's exactly what I've had to do in this past year or so since COVID started. So, you know, I've been doing since it started a ton of research and, you know, just monitoring Pennsylvania and the CDC, as well as all the other states that we operate in, of which there are, you know, about 10. Um, and so, you know, probably my biggest message for people out there who are probably feeling fatigued, like I am, is that you just got to remember that we're all in this together. You know, while you may not be 
extremely concerned about your own health at the moment, you need to consider those around you and the community at large. Um, while your risk of severe illness from COVID-19 may be relatively low compared to the elderly and those with pre-existing conditions, you can still be a vector of COVID-19 without even realizing it. Um, there's evidence that a significant percentage of COVID-19 cases are asymptomatic, meaning that you, know, you can have the virus and spread it without ever even knowing you had it. Um, and so that's why it's so important to wear a mask when you're in public and practice physical distancing around people who don't live in the same household as you. The last thing you want to do is be a link in the chain that passes a disease to someone who can become severely or fatally ill. So I'm going to put aside my Coach Leahy hat for a minute and just talk as Dad Leahy as the father of two teenagers. And I guess my I have two parts to this question. My first part is just as a dad, filling out my morning app and my kids are filling out their morning app before they attend school. Do they have a fever? Do they have a sore throat? You know, it's the sniffles. And then they get a little green light sign and we can all go to school, including me. So as a parent, I've always struggled with, especially when my kids were younger, is it a cold? Is it a sinus infection? Did they just overdo it? Now it just got a whole lot more complicated. So as we head into the winter and we have our morning apps that we have to fill out, um, how are parents, how am I going to, or, or, and how should I respond when my kiddo might just be sick, they might just have strep throat, they might have a cold, it might be COVID. Like any thoughts or suggestions on when we get into the wintertime, how I as a dad and the other parents listening might be able to differentiate what's going on here and when we're not doctors and what our next step should be? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. And, you know, I struggle with the same thing. Every time I feel a little bit of a tickle in my throat, I'm like, oh, geez, I got to stay home for the next two weeks. But, you know, I, I think it's important not to freak out. Um, but we do need to be extremely conservative in these times. Um, my suggestion would be, and the suggestion of all the public health entities, is that if you don't feel well, if you don't feel yourself, then you should, you know, just stay at home. Um, be so everything's cautious. COVID at this point. When in doubt, until it can be ruled out, yeah. Until you're um, tested and you can f find out differently. I don't even know if it's necessarily that you need to be tested, but you need to talk to somebody who is smarter than me. Uh, call your, your pediatrician or your family doctor and talk about them and what's going on and maybe your child's history, if they usually get this way around this time of year, what specific symptoms they're experiencing, and your doctor should be able to um, you know, give you a better direction than, than I can. Because Dr. Bill was running about 19% on sinus infections <laughs> through their youth. <laughs> everything was a sinus infection and everything needed antibiotics when, in fact, I was wrong You know, 80% of the time. So <laughs> I have no confidence in my ability heading into this winter to be right on anything at this point. Coop? You need to talk to someone smarter than me is a phrase I said a couple times. Ian as well. People were acting <laughs> like I'm a doctor. Um, I went from club lacrosse director to medical professional. I feel like you've guided our coaches towards... Uh, as safe of a return to play as possible. So let's move on. Our X and O inside of the week for coaches is really managing through COVID. Uh, what are you telling the coaches in the next program? And for any of our you know, coaches in the greater lacrosse community, you know, what should coaches be conscious of right now? Yeah, so coaches play a significant role in allowing us to safely return to play. You know, to do the research and to write these policies and procedures is only part of the equation. The coaches are the ones who are out there on the field leading activities and making sure that the kids are doing the right thing and that they're doing the right thing. So I really have three main points for coaches. Two of them involve uh, physical distancing and the third involves mask wearing. So number one, um, before you begin practice, make sure your players' bags are neatly spaced out on the sidelines at least six feet from one another. 
Um, you know, this may not seem like a big deal at the beginning of practice because, you know, the kids usually just run up and drop their stuff and then they're out doing partner passing or warming up. But you got to think every time they go back to their bag to grab a drink of water, they're all in close proximity to each other. They probably just do, finish doing sprints or some other kind of difficult drill, hence the water break. Um, and they're all around each other breathing really heavily. And you just got to try to avoid that. I think it's also good for, I don't know, coach can chime in on this too. I think it's good for team culture to establish, you know, a, a routine at the beginning of practice and keeping a, a neat and tidy sideline. Um, the other thing would be, you know, make sure the players are giving each other plenty of space during teaching circles, team huddles, and when they're in line for drills. Um, you know, I know they spend a lot of time around each other when they're actually playing the game, but the amount of contact that you can limit, um, you need to do that as much as you can. You did my heart good. I like an organized sideline during games, all bags lined up together, all sticks lined up together. If uh, in a high school game, if you were to have a broken stick or need something fast, you better be able to go over, find your bag, grab your stick in seconds. So yeah, I think that's, that's something that would extend even beyond this. Like it's a good thing to establish now for obvious reasons, but I think keeping a neat and tidy sideline is, is awesome. Um, the final thing would just be, you know, as a coach, make sure you keep your mask on all the time, unless you're literally like, 10 to 20 feet from people. So every time you cough, breathe, or speak, you are projecting your respiratory droplets into the air. Um, and if you have COVID-19, even if you're not experiencing symptoms and don't realize that you have COVID-19, these droplets can contain the virus and spread to others. And you know, as coaches, you're often speaking up close to athletes or to group of athletes, and you're raising and projecting your voice. And so that makes it potentially even more dangerous. So those are my three main points for coaches yeah for COVID especially I would take like taking a direction here just for a minute in terms of our emotional care of our, our student athletes returning to us after five months and they've been through an awful lot and as coaches we should just be aware that the world they left and have returned to whether that world be political or whether it be COVID related or whether it be the loss of your health or a loved one's health or even god forbid the passing of a loved one that our, our young people are returning to us after five months and it's different and we should be aware as coaches just to be sensitive to where they are, what they might have been through, not to overdo it, because I think just getting back out on the field is therapy and running around. But as a coach, I'd want to know that I have different guys in different places and kind of maybe gently move toward helping each guy as needed, which, you know, is a responsibility of a coach and in unique times. Yeah, I think you just need to be cognizant of what everybody's going through, you know, what the company's been through, what you guys have been through, what every parent and player is going through. Um, which, you know, I have a question for, for you guys, maybe Coop can answer this one is, you know, I'm asking you guys to do all of these things that, um, are kind of instinctual for you as coaches, you know, like it's very instinctual to go and give someone like a high five or a chest bump or put your arm around them to give them advice. And I'm asking you to do all these things that you've done to not do all of these things that you've done for years. How are you handling that? Well, great question. I, I was still jotting the notes of the, the top three so I could help the coaches review the three things you said. Number one, spacing on the sidelines. I feel like that sets the tone of, hey, we're, we're going to do this the right way. I've seen that both on the club and high school side now, and I agree with you. It, it, it should probably go beyond COVID, and that kind of finishes practice with the sweep the shed mentality we've talked about. Uh, number two, players should be spaced as much as possible, and number three, mask on. Um, I know you asked me what's been tough for me. It's my natural instinct of, um, you know, 
personally coaching someone and the kind of the culture of uh, positive reinforcement. And sometimes that's, that's a fist bump, that's a high five, that's a chest bump. Um, and encouraging some of those things naturally to see the excitement on the field and then kind of having the kids kind of peel that back and saying, whoa, 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 not so fast. Um, player spacing, you know, that's something the coaches can say and the coaches can manipulate, um, but really it comes down to the players actually doing it. So let's move on to team culture, how to be a good teammate um, and, and keep going. Tell us things that our players should be conscious of when they're on the field as we really shouldn't take much for granted right now. Yeah, you know, our, our coaches can only do so much, um, and we need people to follow the rules that are put in place so that we can continue to, to play lacrosse. You know, right now I think we're extremely fortunate to be able to do what we're doing. Um, there aren't many schools, high schools, or cl even clubs in the area that are able to, um, to operate right now. So I think we're extremely fortunate, and we need to take advantage of this opportunity and, and be careful. Um, so right now, to be a good teammate, it's really important that we follow these rules and regulations that we put in place for practices and tournaments for COVID-19. Um, how might you think that this plays into being a great teammate? Well, the purpose of the rules that we put into place is to limit the amount of exposure that players have to one another so that, you know, if somebody on the team gets sick, knock on wood, um, it would not spread to any other members of the team and that the rest of the team could continue practicing and playing. Um, if a team is perceived to not be adhering to the rules, then it might become necessary to shut down an entire team for a period of two weeks uh, to prevent the spread to the entire team and other members of the community. And that's obviously something that we really don't want to do. So, you know, following the rules that we put in place is literally the difference between one person getting sick um, and the rest of the team continuing or shutting down the entire team for a period of time. Um, additionally, you know, make sure you're being smart in public. You know, don't put yourself in bad situations outside of practice. Uh, make sure you're wearing a mask in public, practicing physical distancing, avoiding large crowds. And if you're getting together with friends, I would definitely recommend doing it outside. Um, I heard somebody say something earlier this week, um, a public health expert, denouncing the term social distancing. He's like, you should never be socially distanced. You need to be physically distanced, um, which I think is a better way of putting it. And I'm trying to change my terminology, too. Yeah, so since this section is for our players, I thought I'd speak specifically to the guys who are listening. And I guess the first is we're all in this together, so we got to be safe for ourselves and for others. And our others, in this case, are our teammates. I mean, of course, our parents and our families and our classmates at school, but, but your teammates, your brothers, the ones you go to lacrosse battle with. And a part that I never would have experienced if it wasn't for my own journey uh, in my own family is that we, we will have teammates, right, who get sick. That doesn't mean they have COVID or not. They, they might. And even if they were to, they'll get better, hopefully, right, and taking care. And there's a sense that in my own family, I did have a loved one turn positive with COVID. And the flip side was people were concerned, but especially for young people and teenagers, there was a sense of kind of shaming. And, and we don't have to do that with each other, guys, right? So the guy's listening. So if it was my daughter or my son, when she or he was announced as positive, all of a sudden, and, and rightly so, they were disinvited from like everything, from every fishing trip, from every birthday party, and they should be. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt, right? So if you're the, the person who needs to rest and stay home, it doesn't mean you don't feel ostracized, excluded, even though it's for a great reason. But there was a lot of tears and a lot of pain, and it was hard to watch, although it was the right thing. And everybody got better and people were great and everything moved on. But 
I hadn't thought about kind of the flip side if you're the person and I had lived that firsthand. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Coach. I think about some of our players at Next that uh, weren't able to return or didn't feel safe returning. So, you know, as we're kind of excited to be on the podcast again, excited to talk about, you know, positive returns to sport, have to be mindful of those in situations where they're, they're not putting themselves at risk. And, um, you know, sp sports are sacred. So in order to, to get on the field and stay on the field, you know, we should, we should all be listening up closely to this one. So I'm definitely taking less for granted. It's pretty wild that in our last episode in March, we were previewing the spring season and all that we were looking forward to. Well, it didn't exactly happen. Coach Leahy, I'd love to hear a quick update from you on how things have been going as a parent, an educator, as a coach. It's so nice to be here with you, to be back on the podcast, but I imagine your life has been crazy just like everyone else's. Oh yeah, it's been crazy. So I'll start with school. Uh, school, LaSalle College High School has been outstanding. We really did a great job in the spring moving straight to virtual. And then we had so much time off you know, for the summer. And then coming back, you came back to a new world. So I'll just speak for myself as, as impressed as I am with the school that I've been there for 30 years. So I dearly love the place, but it was different. It was the same, but it was different. So I kept going up and down the wrong hallways that now have labels. And then a young man would be like, Mr. Leahy, this is a downstairs. <laughs> and I would say, thanks, Tommy. And he'd say, aren't you turning around? And I'd say, yeah, but it was like five steps from the top and I had to turn around and go back down. And um, following the pathways in the hallway, we have directions uh, like a street to go, you know, up way to the, on the right, come down on the left. Um, and then we changed our schedule. So trying to manage a 10 day schedule, rotating schedule that also goes by cohorts because we are hybriding with a hybrid plus, which I, I really like. That's a unique twist. So every, I don't know, once every 10 days, we bring an entire class in while everybody else hybrids. So you move from 50% capacity to I think like 60, 63%. So we're just starting that. We'll see how that goes. Define hybrid. At one point you said cohorts, hybrid. It sounded like oh, a crazy yeah. math That's how I live, right? Yeah. It's just all over. I can't figure out if it's September 27th, 28th, then is it a blue day or gold day? And then what letter day of the week it is? And then if I haven't screwed up my appointments by that time, I'm really doing a good yeah. job. So one of your kids is texting you and you missed the pickup or something. Uh, it's been the worst, you know. I, one of my colleagues at school, we'll give him a shout out, Rob Johnson, an IT guy, he said to me some pretty wise words. He said, you know, COVID, since we have a COVID episode here, has a way of taking your greatest strength, which is also often your greatest weakness, and amplifying it, exposing it. And I thought, he's a genius because I'm Mr. Organized. I have all my charts. I have my schedules as I'm going to get through today or tomorrow. And I'm a hot mess on some days. It's the wrong cohort day. It's the wrong letter day. Maybe it's the wrong... Thursday versus Wednesday, and then I didn't even throw in whether it's September 28th or the 26th. And you're the guy that's been there for 30-some years, right? And I'm missing appointments. <laughs> I'm making mistakes, and I'm just – I can't even believe this is happening. But I think it's it's too many balls given to my juggling bin. Sure. I could do two balls, three balls, four balls, five balls. I'm like at eight or nine, <laughs> and I'm, I'm breaking down, and I'm making mistakes. I think tomorrow I have a doctor's appointment, and I forgot to have anybody come get my son from school because I can't drive him home. And I'm texting people at the last minute thinking, when do I ever text somebody from the very last minute? And it's my own son. So it's been definitely a challenge. But I see that in all, all of my colleagues. Everybody's doing their best. They're helping one, one another. It's been great for collaborating because I don't know how to quite use um, 
the open LMS system, that's a learning management system, but somebody else does. So they teach you how to make a quiz online and somebody else shows you how to post a, a website. That's good. Yeah, so Seems everybody works work. works well together. So school's been you know interesting. I'm really proud of the place, but no doubt a, a challenge. Um, home, my daughter's full-time, full boat, five days, let's roll with masks. In person. You In mean. person. Okay. Uh, it's a smaller school, so they can do that and have a lot of space. And then my son, obviously, is a student at LaSalle. So he luckily is – I go every day, but he goes every other day. That's what's meant by hybriding. So he goes – he's on the blue team. He comes three days a week or two days a week, depending on the rotation. And it is cute. I drive four young men in from Newtown in, in the big Volvo. We drop everybody back in the rows. <laughs> See him with our masks driving in. We're all proud. And uh, – but I have to alternate them. So I have two guys one day, two guys the next day. And yesterday, one of the guys on the wrong day showed up at the car in the driveway. I said, good, you're screwing up too. You're, Everybody's mixed up. Make, yeah. So as a, as, a, um, as a coach, you know, I've been helping out with you guys at Next. I've been so impressed, Ian, with all the protocols you have in place and how you work with the coaches. And you had that amazing Zoom night where you went through all the safety procedures uh, with all of us. And that was really impressive. So I feel safe at practice. I feel safe at school. Um, home is where we can turn it loose, right? Not, well, just joking. Yeah, but awesome. Thanks for the glimpse uh, into what's going on with you. Um, I think the joke recently is, you know, every email is, "Hey, I hope you're doing well in these uncertain times." So I'll just throw some uh, an uncertain times line to Ian, and uh, you can give us your update. Yeah, I think uncertain would probably be an understatement. You know, the spring, summer, and now the fall have all been extremely stressful for everybody you know, including myself, you, Coach Leahy, and all of our listeners. Um, but, yeah, I just want to compliment all of you on the job that you've done, you, Candice, Kate, Coach Law, um, and all the coaches in our network for keeping the kids engaged through this, you know, really difficult time. Um, you guys did an amazing job with the virtual content and even, like, returning to play. It's been a pleasure to work with all of you, and um, it's been amazing kind of the things that we've been able to pull off. Um as a guidance counselor, Ian, you know, it's, I've been overwhelmed by the sense of um, loss and change that all of us and our listeners have had to deal with, especially our student athletes entrusted to our care. And at, at Next, during the quarantine coup, we had such a unique variety of activities uh, virtually for the guys. Do you want to go through some of them that as we had to change, kind of we found a, a groove for a while? Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. It took everyone about a week or two to kind of find uh, their feet and accept reality that we really were locked inside. And I think Next and our group as a club really did a great job engaging our kids and our teams and trying to keep pushing forward. I think a lot of our model is a, a year-round club. Our, our motto is we develop lacrosse players. So if all we could do was connect on a Zoom or a team workout or a positional talk or have a motivational, you know, talk with someone, that's what we were going to do. And I think we did a good job. So I know Coach Leahy led some really high level positional stuff. It was cute to have some of the younger kids in the hangouts, older kids as well. Uh, they're using the chat, all that good stuff that, you know, you've seen from virtual learning. And we only had to do it for maybe 45 minutes uh, for each team or a couple times a week. So for me personally, I was grateful I was no longer a second grade teacher and my full-time job was lacrosse. So I got to study a lot of online resources, watch a lot of old games, invest some time in books and podcasts and um, really trying to learn more as a coach. And then hanging out with those kids virtually, I did some kickboxing classes. That was a highlight. Um, and 
I, I think when we joined back on the field, it meant something. And for some of them, it helped keep them positive. So, um, Ian, yeah, I appreciate the shout out there. And I know you were helping us with the workouts too. So really a team effort to make it matter. And, and that's something we always say at Next. And some of my favorites, of course, the kickboxing was epic. But I liked sports psychologist Mitch Green working with the guys. Absolutely. I liked um, some of the Attack U University and Defense University and MIDI University X and O sessions that we did. I enjoyed taking my off-ball lesson when Coach Law asked me to have a Zoom lesson on off-ball across. I thought that's it was, it was almost fun doing impossible. some of that stuff. And it, we were challenged by it. I remember you and I calling each other, hey, let me make sure I can share my screen. Hey, can you hear me? And going through some of the technical difficulties like anyone did as we got to the Zoom lifestyle was fun because we were talking about coaching, you know, and, and our kids were logging on because they cared. So that was pretty cool. Uh, the hardest one for me was the Jedi lacrosse one, our off-ball lacrosse <laughs> as a Jedi master, and all of the X and O teachings to the players on offense about playing off-ball was done in Yoda's unique way of saying the sentences backwards. Wow, I and wish so, I had attended some more of these. Yeah, I, uh, until my like computer screen out. locked up and the, yeah. <laughs> everything went south in the final 10 minutes. It was a home run. So so flashing back to last spring, March, April, May, the lacrosse season that never was. I know it was tough for us at Next. Uh, I'm a full-time professional in youth sports, and there was no youth sports. So um, our company definitely had to furlough some employees, went through many of the struggles that any other small business uh, would. And, you know, eventually um, had to find our feet. So last spring was a lot of day-to-day uh, -day, uh, planning and replanning, uh, a lot of logistics and operations behind the scenes to really make uh, June, July, and August a time where we could safely return to play and effectively operate our business. So for those of you not familiar with Next, um, the majority of our business is as an events company. We also have education with club teams and camps, but um, the events we run across the country are um, really the reason that we have full-time employees and a beautiful office here in Conshohocken. So, Ian, day-to-day -day operations working in sports last spring, what was that like for you? Um, it was crazy. Uh, it was it was extremely stressful, and you know, on top of that was being someone who is a healthcare professional but also working in a sport industry where your job depends on, you know, having sports operating. Um, so that was really difficult, but, you know, I spent most of my time in the spring and early summer monitoring Pennsylvania and all the developments from the CDC. Uh, the first bit order of business in my mind was to get our club safely back on the field. And I think we were able to do a pretty good job with our yellow face summer programming. Um, and it was a good transition into our eventual full return to play. Um, but in addition to monitoring Pennsylvania, I also had to monitor all of the states in which we run our summer events, um, of which I think there were 10. Um, you know, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Texas, Florida, Georgia, Connecticut, Maryland, Indiana, and probably others that I just can't think of at the moment. Um, so I kept a running document for each of the state's policies, all of which were very different. Um, and so myself and uh, our general counsel and CEO, Joel Zerker, worked together um, to combine elements from all of the different states, as well as the recommendations from the CDC and U.S. Lacrosse, uh, to put together our COVID-19 safety plan for summer events, of which there were 14 iterations based on <laughs> wow. uh, continuing information as it was coming out and like our evolving um, policies. So... 
And it was super complicated in that certain teams couldn't come from certain states across certain boundaries, correct, guys? And the whole and that, summer was, was and that, that changed yeah. day to day. Yeah, you know, people would be added to to travel advisory list. States would be taken down, and um, you know, I got a lot of questions that there weren't really great answers for, and uh, questions that I didn't really have answers for. So, you know, the research and development was only part of the equation. It was also educating all of our stakeholders, so players, coaches, parents. Um, uh, so that was a big element in the equation, and I spent a lot of time creating and delivering educational content to just make people aware and know what they're supposed to do and kind of what's expected of them when they come to our events and practices. What were some of the specific modifications made to the game, you know, the game being played between being spaced out more on the benches? Did we make any specific changes on the field with the referees in terms of equipment? Yeah, so the actual game itself um, didn't change all that much. Um, the scheduling is what changed a lot. So, you know, the game itself, there were some modifications that we could have put in place, but we didn't want to modify it too much because it would be, you know, f so far from what you typically expect from lacrosse. So there were some organizations that came out with modifications that would allow players to socially distance at all times while they were playing the game. Well, that's not, like, is it worth running an event if you're going to modify the game so much? Um, so we did have rules for face-offs where, you know, both teams and at least one official had to opt in to doing a face-off for it to occur. And if one of those individuals opted out, then we would just do a, toy co a, a coin toss and then alternating possessions. Um, we want our coaches wearing masks at all times. We want our kids socially distanced on the sidelines. We want our uh, parents and spectators at least five yards um, off of the sideline. Um, all of these things were you know, modifications kind of right around the game. But our biggest um, change probably was the way that we scheduled things where, you know, if you came to an event this summer, um, you played two games back to back and then you got out of there um, just so we could, you know, eliminate the amount of time that you were uh, at the facility and eliminate the number of people at the facility at any given time. And that didn't require any kind of behavior modification on the part of, you know, the players or parents. It was literally just you come when you're scheduled and then you're done and you get out of there. There's no tailgating or camping out or anything like that. So you're at your first aid table. You're looking at the event taking place with some modifications and scheduling changes. As a trainer and a health professional, when you looked around, where did you go? Yikes, that makes me nervous. Yeah, sometimes I did. Um, <laughs> And I still do. <laughs> so like, what, are, what are those moments that jump out to you looking at the activity taking place with a different sense of responsible eyes? Yeah, it was incredibly anxiety inducing. Like it was really tough. Um, and, you know, we're limited in the capacity for what we can do for enforcement because, you know, we're outside. Uh, we have like 10 fields going at the same time. I'm also being an athletic trainer at the event and like everybody else is running a tournament. So COVID police was added to our job titles as well. Dude, yeah, I've yeah. been like, I felt like such, like the fun police pretty much. Like, hey, don't stand so close to each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, some some events were better than others, um, you know. Yeah, we, to that point, just talk me through what events did you go to this summer? What states were you in? And did it look different in different places? Yeah, absolutely. So some were awesome. I think most of the states we ran in PA with people who like are used to coming to our events were were great and like the the numbers were down um one thing that we did ask of parents is that they only bring one parent or spectator per kid yeah. and i think a lot of people did adhere to that you know some didn't 
Um, what was the most shocking, I think, was our first event um, that we had during COVID was in Indiana in late June. And I typically don't travel to our remote events um, because I'm not licensed as an athletic trainer in Indiana. But I wanted to go because it was our first event post-COVID, and I wanted to see how it went and help enforce any of our safety measures um, if I could. And it was a different world out there. It was, it was crazy. Like, I don't think at that time they were hit as hard as we were on the East Coast. And, you know, driving through Ohio and Indiana, nobody was wearing masks, even inside. In Indiana at the time, they were optional. And, like, we went out to eat, and our waitress at an indoor restaurant wasn't wearing a mask. And it was just, like, complete culture shock to us. And needless to say, everyone who came to our event, while it was a great event and we had an awesome time and it was safe and we didn't hear of any cases coming out of it, um, as I mentioned before, we asked people to only bring one parent per player, but it became very clear that some players brought their entire extended family and like their dog and nieces and nephews and grandma and grandpa. So, um, that was stressful. Um, but on the other side, we had, we had amazing events that were really safe and like, we love it when there's a ton of people there and like we can camp out and do tailgating and stuff. But unfortunately that's just not something we, we could have done this summer and we can't do this fall. So I guess my question for Indiana was, had they just not had the wave of infections or did they have different state regulations? Because as a republic, each state can kind of make you know their own way right through some of this versus a federal overall response. So what was up with Indiana at that point that they were in a different spot? Yeah, no, I think one, they weren't hit quite as hard and their restrictions aren't, weren't as uh, you know, restrictive as, as Pennsylvania. You know, at the time there, masks were still optional. Um, they weren't a mandate as in Pennsylvania. Not that you can necessarily like go around and, you know, police it. But um, I think people were just much less concerned about it there than we were here at the time. And I'm not, you know, like trashing Indiana or anything like that. It's just they hadn't been through it yet. And like, I think we experienced the same thing. It's if you haven't been personally affected by it, it's hard to maybe take it seriously. Um, but at this point, I think most people have been closely affected by it. One of my observations uh, as a parent and as a, as a teacher, as an educator, and as a coach, is that all of us bring a different view or uh, comfort level in regards to safety. You know, I might have a, an elderly person at my home, so I'm really protective because I don't want my kids out and around other teenagers and bringing that home. Or somebody else may not have that at home, and they're kind of like, let's, my, I want my kids to go to school so I can go to work. And it just seems that it's so complicated for all of us because we all have, one, a different feeling of what is safe and isn't safe, and we all have different family perspectives of what we have going on in our lives. But the honest truth is we all have to protect ourselves and each other. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, you have a social responsibility. You know, it's the same reason you have to stop at stop signs and red lights. Um, you got to take care of the people around you and make sure they're safe. So you don't know what somebody else's situation is. Like a kid on your child's lacrosse team might be living with their grandma who has cancer or, um, you know, maybe they have an autoimmune deficiency or they have diabetes and you just don't know. And there's somebody who could be at, you know, risk of severe illness from COVID-19. And, um, you know, you just got to be considerate of others and what they might be going through. Well said. Uh, two things. The, the last on the next event summer schedule would be, did anything get canceled? And if so, you know, where and why? Um, yeah, so we ended up canceling seven events that were scheduled for summer. And we did try to reschedule some of those in the fall. Um, some of them are going to come to fruition and some of them it looks like they might not. Um, we canceled events in Florida, in Georgia, um, in Connecticut. And really it was because um, the 
restrictions were such that they wouldn't allow us to operate. Um, our, our, you know, we're a youth sports company, and you know, the reason that we're employed is is because of our tournaments. Um, so our policy from from the get go was that if we were allowed to have them in a state, then we would do everything we could to safely hold that event. And you know, there were seven events that we just couldn't couldn't pull off this summer. And last thing would just be parent feedback. You know, what did you hear from parents, uh, players? You mentioned the word stakeholders. So really, what did you hear this this summer? And I know you spoke closely with all of our own next club parents and get a ton of feedback and we forward a ton your way. So, you know, what did you hear? Yeah, lots of lots of really good feedback. Um, some less good feedback. Uh, I sent a, parent, a, a survey to all of our club parents at the end of the summer, kind of asking, you know, how did we do? How did we handle this? Um, how did we do? How did the players do? How did other parents do? And what specific feedback do you have? Uh, most of the feedback that we got was just effusive in praise for, you know, um, all that we did and getting the kids back on the field. And they were so excited to finally be able to do something. Um, you know, a lot of praise toward, you know, your virtual curriculum that you had in the spring. Um, and a lot of people were just really happy with the way the summer went. Other people were more critical, um, which, you know, we took a serious look at and we had some criticisms and suggestions for how we could improve forward going forward. And we took that to heart and, you know, we hope at this point in the fall so far, we're doing a pretty good job at incorporating that. Um, it was interesting. We asked a couple of different questions. One was targeted at how did we do in adhering to our policies and procedures? How did the players do and how did the parents do? Um, their answers toward us and like the coaches and administrators and stuff was that we did a really good job. They weren't as excited about how the players did and they were even less excited about how other parents did, really? which was yeah. interesting. So Ian, as a guidance counselor, one of the words we talk about often is resilience and of course, mental health. Um, we've all lost so many different things in different ways, right? We've lost some people, their health. Uh, we've lost our sense of safety. We've lost our schooling, our activities, our ability to travel, maybe go see loved ones. Uh, my family and I are still trying to figure out how to visit my parents. We meet in Haver to Grace, Maryland in 95, off 95 and sit outside and hug with our heads turned. And there's just been so many little ways and big ways which we faced loss and loss is a big part of our mental health. And so I wonder if you could chime in a little bit um, on thoughts of self-care and thoughts of taking um, care of our, our soul as well as our, our physical concerns. Um, yeah, no, I, I think mental health is definitely a concern right now. And I think a lot of people you talk to, guidance counselors like yourself and psychologists, will tell you the same thing, that um, they've seen a, a huge uptick in anxiety and depression during um, these past six months. And, you know, it's affected my mental health as well. Like, it's been really difficult for me uh, not being able to see and speak with my loved ones quite as much. But, you know, one thing I would say is that you need to remain engaged, you know, why you can't. Um, maybe go and see somebody physically and in person, you know, make, take the opportunity to give somebody a call or do a FaceTime, um, something like that so that you're remaining up to date and, uh, you know, just doing something good for your own mental health. I praise the young men at school and, uh, and young women that I know about resilience. You know, we'll bounce back, head up, shoulders back, march on, make sure when you can find time to laugh, do so. If you're an exercise person, exercise. If you're a person who needs quiet time, meditation or prayer, do that. Um, just find ways where you're caring for oneself and get plenty of sleep and rest. And if we kind of keep trying to be mindful and, and caring of our own personal needs and the needs of the, those around us, we'll be in a better place. 
as we all work through this together. But no doubt a challenge. Right. There's been some tough days where I'm thinking, man, I just got to go to bed and get this one over with at 7:30, right? So, you know, it's just tough stuff. Um, That's a great I, answer. I'm gonna I'm gonna take your advice on that as well. Yeah, and I also found in some folks, it was interesting to look at my family. Some folks in my family are very disciplined, and they got through the quarantine by being disciplined. They were up, they worked out, they said their prayers, they got to their schoolwork, they made their lunch, and they just followed it like it was a checklist. And then there was my dear beloved wife, who was just like a hot mess. She was just like all over the place. However, the wind came, which is how she, that's how she would face her day. And, but that worked for her. I thought it was like no way to live, but that worked for her. However, the spirit moved her is where she uh, found herself in the hot tub or going for a walk or doing whatever. You guys are all laughing. Should we cut that out? Yeah. Don't, don't tell Mrs. Leahy. No, just joking. It's great to hear, uh, you know, us laugh and, and kind of share this. And hopefully this episode has been therapeutic a little bit for us uh, and also for our listeners. Um, as we kind of close down talking about COVID and before our homework, you know, we all spent a lot of time by ourselves. And I just wanted to ask you guys, is there anything you learned about yourself or, you know, maybe found during uh, that time that you'd like to share? Yeah, I, uh, I found that I really like running. Um, I was, uh, I, I never ran much before I was a shot putter in college. So I was a bit of a, a bigger fellow, but you know, when my gym closed down, I didn't really have much else to do. So I started running and, uh, I, I learned that I really like it probably too much. Cause now I'm dealing with an overuse injury, um, from running. So that's, that's what I found out. What about you, Bill? That's a great question, Coop. I found that there was value in slowing down. I got to be more present to an awful lot of things, more present to my son and his love of the outdoors, more present to my daughter who's always running around. We actually got to spend some time together and look at colleges virtually online and, of course, to spend time uh, more present to my wife. So I enjoyed the fact that maybe I was going too fast. It was a little too extreme to stop like that. However, I found value in it for those I loved. That's great for me. I I spent a lot of time just thinking about gratitude and how lucky we are to work in sports once we were able to return to play. So every drive back to the field has been a little bit more mindful than previously. So um, a couple books that I invested some time in, one on body language was called What Everybody is Saying by a former FBI agent. Uh, Really enjoyed learning and taking notes and then kind of going to the field to observe uh, people in body language and just looking at things a little bit differently, um, trying to just take advantage of my time uh, as a coach that's been coaching for a while and continuing to improve. And another book, Every Moment Matters uh, by John O'Sullivan, The Changing the Game Project that Coach Leahy has enlightened us with a couple times. And um, I really wanted to pass those on. Well, it's really been great having you, Ian. As we come to the end of our time together, my favorite part, I say that each episode, is to go through our rapid-fire next homework. Well, we're quickly going to ask you for homework for players, parents, coaches, and then some recommended reading and or listening for folks at home. So you ready to fly through this? I'll lead the way. Yeah, it's going to be real easy. I have the same homework assignment for... For everybody. All right. Well, here we go. What is your player homework? And it sounds like you're going to extend this to parents and coaches as well. So I can't wait to. Yeah, hear I what want this every is. player, parent, and coach um, sometime in the next week or two to go and get your flu shot. Um, one of the big concerns going into the fall is having COVID and the flu at the same time. Um, so you know, it's super easy to get your flu shot. You can go to almost any CVS or Rite Aid pharmacy and get one. 
I went in last week and got mine in, you know, less than 10 minutes. Super convenient having it at pharmacies and not having to make a doctor's appointment. So uh, that would be my big ask right now. Good homework for everybody and safe. Recommended reading or listening. What are you listening to or reading to these days? I have not done a ton of reading, uh, disappointingly, through all of this. So I had to go back in the archives a little bit for this one. Um, Something that I really enjoyed reading uh, last year was Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. He is a neuroscientist and sleep researcher at UC Berkeley, and he gets into all of the ins and outs of what sleep does for us um, and our physiology. You know, things that you wouldn't even think of in terms of metabolic health, um, cardiovascular health, uh, injury prevention, sport performance. Uh, Sleep is just so vitally important, and I think if you have the time, you would find this book really interesting. Thanks, Ian. It was great to have you. Your insights were uh, outstanding, something for everybody, including parents, players, and surely for myself. Uh, Folks, we're going to sign off from the offices here at Conshohocken, but I did want to point out that our next guests will be Taylor Ray, the head coach at St. Joe's University, and Matt Rambo, a former player of mine, of course, needs no introduction. So we're looking forward to sharing those episodes with you in the weeks to come. Coach Coop, bring us home. Can't wait for those. It's going to be good to get back in the routine with you, Bill. For everyone at Next, for Ian, Bill, and our producer, Justin, this is us signing off from our new world headquarters in Conshohocken, Pennsylvania. Thank you. This is Coach Coop. I'm wearing a mask. You should, too. This is Coach Leahy. I have my mask on for this recording. This is Ian. I am wearing a mask. Be like us. <laughs>